In this video, we are discussing the metrics that actually matter when evaluating NFT projects. As usual, if you enjoy this content, make sure that you hit the like button, you smash the subscribe button. It really helps us out with these daily NFT podcasts. And as always, nothing in this video is financial advice. We are not financial advisors. The NFT space is incredibly risky and you always have to do your own research. Josh Brobrowski, how are you? What's up, man? Great to be back again at the uh, Monkey Mansion, or what's it called? We were calling it the Ape Mansion. Okay, the Monkey Mansion it is. Um, yeah, so thanks for having me back. I figured while we're here, maybe take a little deep dive. And, you know, this isn't financial advice, and it's also not facts. It's just my perception of what I think matters when I'm looking at NFT collections. And I thought we could start off with that. Absolutely. I'm going to have you get a little closer to the mic when you speak. Yeah. And uh, it's perfect. Okay. And everything that you were saying, uh, I agree with. So we want to talk about the metrics that actually matter. So for people that don't know, Josh, you are a full-time investor and the market, it seems that you focus the most on is the NFT market. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. I uh, run my own assets and I also have a small NFT fund that I trade outside capital as well. So I've been a full-time professional investor in the Web3 space for maybe a year or two and, uh, you know, really enjoying it. Still a ton to learn. There's a lot of overlap between TradFi and uh, NFT investing, but there's also a lot of overlap between social media and NFT investing. I think there's a lot of relevance on those two. One of the first misconceptions I think that people see is floor price being an insanely valuable measure of what matters. I think it's a variable in the equation, but I would argue it's not really even the best variable in an equation. So as projects get up higher in price, like when we look at Azuki going from eight to 27, that's a really big valuable metric. But the reality is if you have a project with a 0.1 floor, it might only take $20,000 to move it to a 0.2 floor, but you know, that, that would increase the valuation of the entire project by like $3 million. It, so you start to look at it and in traditional finance, you have what's called the float, which basically means how much is constantly being bought and sold at any given time. And in NFT projects, it doesn't take a lot of money to move the floor on these like micro projects. A lot of times I hear people in the spaces that I'm in saying like, you know, we're looking at the smaller price point projects and that's cool. But when 10,000 or $50,000 can double or triple the price of your project, I have a hard time putting a real value on the floor because at the end of the day, it's good for somebody that has like one or two NFTs in a category. But if you have more than that, you can move the floor up or down just by buying or selling like five. So the metrics that I like to look at Yes, I'll look at the floor price. More importantly, I'm going to look at the sales volume. I'm going to look at who's buying. I'm going to look at what's going on in their ecosystem. I'm going to look at how the team is interacting with their Discord. Are they collaborating? Is the Discord happy? Are they kind of coming from a position where they're feeling like they're arrogant and they have some superiority because they're the leaders of this group and they treat the people in the Discord like they're peasants? Is it something where they kind of have a reckless discord and don't have control of it. One of the biggest flaws I see in teams is they'll be continuing to do something like some sort of a promotion or a style of promotion or 
something that they're per, like putting out as what their perception of a value add is doesn't resonate with the discord, doesn't resonate with their community, doesn't move sales, and yet they keep doing it, not because it's what the community wants, but it's because what the founders happen to like. I'm not gonna call out any specific project because I think everyone can name a few projects where the founders don't have the realization of what they their community wants versus what they personally are enjoying. And so you get this really big disconnect. But again, going back to the floor price, it's one variable. There are tons of variables that matter, including who the investors are. And so that's the one piece that I would take a look at. Be really careful when you look at the floor price. It's one part of a very complex equation. Well, a super volatile floor price that I've been observing because I own the project, I know you own it as well, is the Look Labs Game Key. A lot of people are bullish on this one. A lot of people, I'm sure, have been... Uh, finding it tough to stomach the volatility. We've seen all-time highs of something like 0.6. We saw a low of maybe 0.22 in the past week or so. Now we're back at 0.33. We were just at 0.4 yesterday. This floor price, is is this exactly what you're talking about? Like just a project where the floor price you think basically doesn't matter? It has some relevance, right? I, I'm not saying it is a NFT metric that has no value, but... I think that we'd want to contrast you. If we're going to look at floor price, we need to also cross-reference floor price in USD, like in actual dollars, because yes, it did have an all-time high where we were looking at like a 0.6, but I think Ethereum might've been trading in the low 2000 range, maybe like 2300. Yep. I, I don't know exactly the second, but when I checked earlier today, I think Ethereum was trading like 34, 3500. So you know, we're not that far off from the all-time high, even at like a 0.32. So those are some of the things that I would take a look at. The reality is in this space, you're going to want to put more work into your understanding than just looking at some metric. And the worst thing you can do, the way I've lost the most money in the space by far is being fucking lazy, looking at somebody who I respect as a, an investor or as an operator, and they say, hey, I'm buying this, or hey, you should look at this, and blindly buying it. That is how I've lost the most money is listening to other people. Trust yourself, trust your research, and if you haven't done your research, unless you are really compelled to move forward, I would just wait. Because the biggest thing that you can do to win big in this ecosystem isn't trying to hit a thousand X and knock it out of the park. It's saying no to the bad investments. It's just like when I played poker, people don't realize that all the money is made in the hands you fold and the hands you don't lose. Right. And so that, that's kind of what I think about. That's a really good call. I mean, if you view every investment that you skip as a fold, right? Right. Maybe you would have won on it. And I mean, you'll find out. You'll have that hindsight after the fact. But it's at the end of the day, you'll you'll save yourself from any losses. So I guess, you know, I think a little bit about our NFT because I think about, sure. you know, our NFT kind of having fundamentals in a way that maybe other NFTs don't. Like, obviously, there's NFTs that have way stronger fundamentals like a Gary V, you know, V friend one because of the business, the empire that Gary V has built up over decades at this point. But I look at ours and I, I looked at the floor price is not a half ETH, right? 
Um, however, we have a community that really, uh, in my opinion, is very strong. I feel like they provide information that is of value. We're rolling things out in our Discord now uh, that I think a lot of people will find at the very least entertaining, but also maybe an opportunity for them to develop a skill set or to actually, um, you know, just participate in a way for rewards. Do you think about our NFT at all when you think about this this topic that metrics uh, that matter for NFTs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm one of the largest, if not the largest, investor in your NFT, and I can kind of walk you through what I see. The first thing that I look for in your project and why I liked investing is the founding team. And this isn't to be like, you know, overly complimentary of you because I'm yeah. going to get to a bit more critical uh, points after this. Sure. But I think the founding team works hard, is ethical, and is intelligent. And I tend to think that's like 95% of the battle is those three. Um, beyond that, I think that your growth rates are very strong. It appears you have the largest spaces daily of any show in the NFT ecosystem, or at least what I've seen. There may be something else out there I'm not seeing, but you know, I mean, I think you're getting several thousand people coming in throughout every morning session, which is pretty big considering that there's probably only three to 500,000 people in the space. So thinking about it in my head, I'm looking at the metric of like, holy fuck. 1% of all traders are listening to this every morning. And I get maybe some people that aren't traders are in there, but you look through the uh, crowd, a lot of PFPs, a lot of traders. So if you're capturing 1% of the ear of the market every day, that's a big thing. Another positive FTX. I think it's cool to have a big brand behind you. It shows that you have a level of business sense beyond just kind of, you know, some sort of connection to the crowd. You also have a connection to the business aspect. Now, uh, you know, look, one of the things I've talked about a few times, watching your growth rate in number of people on spaces, but also watching the growth rate on YouTube, you're getting a really rapid growth rate. Like I'd be very surprised if you don't break 5 million views by the end of the year. I hope people look at this video and kind of look back on it, but I'll call it out that like, let's say nine months from now, you'll have a 500% gain in your viewership on YouTube. So these are the positives. These are why I invested. Here's the negatives. I don't think you do enough to provide value add when I contrast your project with like a proof collective by Kevin Rose where like, holy fuck, this thing sold for 1.25 Ethereum. Now it's trading at 50 Ethereum. You look at their members, they're getting these drops that are worth, you know, three ETH, five ETH, 10 ETH. So they're providing an insane amount of value. They've got a network of artists and they're really transparent at a level that I think is a step or two beyond where your team is with a pipeline of here's our marketing plan, here's our budgets, here's kind of where we're going with things. Cross-reference that, I think it's great that you're transparent that half of the ad revenue comes in and goes back to your community. I wish there was more of a layout to say what that actually means. So I know you guys, I believe you guys, I'm not worried at all about it. Like, you know, we're friends and I probably have you know, good access to information, but it'd be really nice if we knew where that went and how that was being allocated, because I know you guys are working so hard on it behind the scenes, but I don't think that everyone in the audience knows that as well. So that's one of the things that I think you could improve upon. Um, I'd like to see more whitelists in the discord. I'd like to see, um, you know, I know that you're planning some in-person events, but I think that like if you can be present at NYC, NF, NFT NYC, if you can have booths, if you can have like a cool party where you get access to, I mean like these are the things that I think 
will help. Everything that I'm talking about is a single variable and a multivariable equation. And overall, out of like the group projects that I see, I really believe at like 0.12 Ethereum, you happen to be one of the most undervalued projects for where I think you'll be in a year. But I'm being candid with there's so many low-hanging fruit that you can hit with the resources you have. I don't see a reason why you aren't at a 0.5 floor or higher by year end. And again, I know I just came from the position of fuck this. Who cares about floor price? But it is a variable. It is something people look at. And I do believe that this project is going to continue to increase in value because, you know, in my head, that's the direction things are going. Your team is constantly thinking about being iterative. And the other thing is like, you're here asking me, which it takes a certain level of humility as a founder to go live on camera with a somewhat critical investor and ask, what can we do better? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't read what the comments are saying, but I'm curious. I fucking love Josh. Josh is great. I appreciate his opinion or some recent comments. All right. I fucking love you too. Who said it? Uh, my mom, Hamza, Hamza. I fucking love you too, Hamza. Um, so those are kind of my pieces of feedback with your project. And I think that you're getting better with it too. So like, you know, the fact that you're aware there's room for improvement is probably again, putting you above 75%. You don't know how many founders I talk to that are so confident they know everything they need to know. And they've got a game plan. Like I spend 18 hours a day researching and trying to learn about this space. And I might know, one tenth of one percent of what I think I should know. Like I feel constantly behind. I constantly learn that my opinions could be better. The way I'm thinking about things could be better. And so it's it's a good place to be as a founding team. And I like that a lot. I appreciate it. I mean, I want to comment on a few things that you said. So if I look at our business, you know, I look at our NFT project and the value that we create for holders. I think that there's some obvious stuff um, that is going really well. I think that there are strong suits that we have. I think that there's areas of improvement. I think a strong suit would be the content, like you said. So I'm really happy with the Twitter. No, no one's putting up numbers like you guys. I mean, not, not that I'm aware of. I, I don't think that anyone is taking the numbers on YouTube or spaces and discord that you're hitting. I mean, <clears throat> and I'm open to a counterpoint, like maybe Kevin Rose's group is hitting numbers as big or bigger, but again, 50 Ethereum floor versus 0.12 Ethereum floor. Very, very different league. Even the drop price, their drop price was what, 15 times what yours was. So different class. And also look, uh, his podcast proof is objectively one of the best podcasts in the space. I really like Kevin Rose. I want to give a shout out to myself for being very stupid and buying a proof collective for about 1.5 and selling it for six Ethereum. One of my biggest regrets in the space, a horribly stupid move. Congrats to me. Yeah, well, that does sound like a pretty stupid move, Josh. But no, I mean, look, it's dumber to be me and to have not bought it at all and not made any money off of it. But no, I appreciate what you say about our content. So I mean, like at the end of the day, I agree with you. The strongest... Uh, content piece is the Twitter spaces. The YouTube, which we're on right now, I think is really good because right now I'm seeing that NFT YouTubers outside of us are not really putting out the same volume of content that they were before. The style of the content doesn't seem to be the same because the market isn't as hot as it was. And also I think that a lot of those folks maybe 
have lost interest in the space a little bit because it is a lot of work to do content consistently, especially if you're not getting that much bang for your buck. And I know that a lot of the content creators, they're also selling NFTs, right? They kind of have the a similar idea. Like, I don't know if you would call it like an alpha group, if you would call it like a gated community in NFT space, but they have their own NFT projects. And I think that a lot of the YouTube content, um, the motivation behind it is actually, you know, to drive sales to the NFT. What I would say is like for us to get to 5 million, I just want to be realistic for us to 5X from our 1 million by the end of the year. I think that that might be a long shot. No. So I'm just talking about specifically on YouTube because I watch, I watch the YouTube numbers go up and down every day. Nope. Disagree. I think you'll get to 5 million by the end of the year. Well, I appreciate that. And this is coming from somebody who has a YouTube channel that I, I own a YouTube channel with 80 million views on it. So I'm looking at the compounding growth and I'm looking at how iterating things. I think that you're underestimating your potential for growth. You're going to bring in, as your channel grows, it becomes a virtuous cycle. You bring in more big names to, into the space. You end up bringing, when more big names come in, you get more viewership. When you get more viewership, you get more big names and you're going to go bigger and bigger and bigger in a circle as long as fucking aggressive i think you get to five million well we're hella aggressive that's for sure and uh the twitter spaces i feel is starting to bring more attention to us in general like for example we're gonna have drift from you know drifter shoots great guy on youtube and on twitter we're having look labs come on we're having creeps you're having come Redbeard on. from look labs the ceo the correct c- the ceo Redbeard from look labs is coming on um we're uh, apparently we might have Kevin Rose. I don't know. I mean, uh, they reached, really? they reached out to us and, uh, I've booked a call for next week. I, I hope it, you know, with those things, when it's like a big name, I don't like until it's done. You think you can get me a pass back? <laughs> 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 kidding, kidding, kidding. That's a fucking $180,000 value. That's a big fuck up by me that I'm clearly happy about. Yeah. I, I don't know. No, 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 no. You know, and, and one thing I want to call it is like, all right. So Anthony just, um, Anthony just uh, said like daily content isn't necessary. I I really disagree with that like wholeheartedly. And I know Anthony is Mr. Up only, only making the right picks. But like when it comes to content, the reason that I'm in the position I'm in, that we're in the position that we're in is because of the daily content. And when we don't do something every day, our audience lets us know, like people in the discord, you know, tag me. They're like, where's the stream? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Someone asked about the Twitter spaces today. I was like, we don't do it on the weekends. He was like, I'm waiting until Monday, you know? So I do, we do need the weekends off from the Twitter space, you know, but, um, I mean, doing YouTube every day is big. So anyway, let me give it one story really quick sure. for Anthony. So there was a statistical study that they did in pot making it, like people would take clay and make clay pots. And you took two groups of people. One group of people was told to spend an entire month to make the singular best pot they could make. The other group of people was told to make a single pot every day. And at the end of the month, they would be judged. After the group that made a single pot every day was finished, their average pot was better than the one pot that was made that took an entire month with the first month coming in because you get this iterative practice. Like since I've met you, you've gotten better as a host. You've gotten better at YouTube. You're getting stronger in your ability to create content. By the second month, almost every fucking pot that was made by the first group was better than the second pot that took an entire month to make. So I think you try different things. You're iterative. There's a reason, Anthony, why people do A-B tests online. If you're familiar with like websites, sales funnels, marketing, you do A-B tests so that you can iterate, look what works, go back, fix it, 
fuck up a little bit, fuck up less the next time. So Anthony, thanks for the big shout out, but I agree to disagree. I love you even though you don't agree with us. And, and, and I want to call something out because Tom said, P.O., you don't realize how big you guys could be. No, no, I do. I definitely do. I was just being uber realistic about, I mean, look, me and Nick had a, a call with a billionaire last week and he, he asked us the question. He goes- Like a billion dollar air or like rubles? A, a, a billion dollars. Okay. And he asked the question, after he asked us like what we were and everything, he goes, um, how big can you guys be in three years? And without hesitation, I just go, we can be really big, buddy. Or, only I didn't say buddy. I said his actual name. I'm not going to say his name here. But Mark like, Zuckerberg. <laughs> this was not Mark Zuckerberg. But anyway, the bottom line is, yes, no, I, I have no question that if we continue to work really hard to develop, to iterate, we can be really big. I was just commenting and being realistic about that one metric, right? The, the YouTube uh, size. I want to talk really quick about you know, what you said about that, what we can work on. I think the biggest area that we can work on is like the tokenomic side, right? And that's what you kind of mentioned. And that's what we've been putting a lot of effort and emphasis into. We've leaned into the content because the content is our strong suit without question. But we recognize like being in the NFT space, you have to have strong, you know, I'm just calling it tokenomics. It basically just means like driving value to your NFT tokens. So that's a big part of our brainstorms. It's a big part of what we're working on here at the house. And um, I mean, look, Anthony's just tripling down. He goes, uh, the daily stuff can suffer if you force content. Well, we don't force content. There's enough to talk about every day in the NFT space. I'm confident enough in myself as a host to be able to ask questions to people that generate interesting, um, you know, content for the viewers. And people have not complained about too much content. So Anthony said, fuck Bobrowski. Kidding. I love you, Anthony. Yeah. I'm glad you're in the chat. Yeah. And, and uh, even just doing little administrative stuff, like now uploading the podcast to podcast platforms. So we're officially on Spotify. We're getting onto Apple podcasts at this point. Um, just having another medium for people to listen. And we're going to be adding the Twitter spaces to that single podcast. And just watching the podcast numbers over the course of a week go from zero to 100 to 200. You know, when you think about driving value to an NFT project, obviously there's the tokenomics and us coming up with real deal stuff that drives that value. There's the community factor, like the community being happy to be there, participating, um, earning rewards from participation, both merit-based rewards and random rewards. That goes for whitelist opportunities, which we should do a better job of communicating on Twitter. And that's something I'm definitely going to talk to our social media folks like Eric about. But then also, um, you know, the, the last thing is the audience growth. And one thing that I'm really happy about is if you pull up Social Blade and you look up our YouTube channel, every single day, even though now it's like the bear market and all YouTube channels for NFTs, their views, their subscriber growth is down. Every day, 30 new people subscribe, 40 new people subscribe, 50, 60, 100 new people subscribe, depending on the day. And just that snowball growth of people joining. And if they're joining now, it means that they're genuinely interested in NFTs. So I hope that those people will you know, realize the value of having a portal, for example. And obviously that leads to more sales. Theoretically, the floor price would increase, which is uh, favorable for holders. Those are the things that I think about. So do me a favor, pull up my YouTube channel. Go, sure. go to Google Josh Bobrowski YouTube. That's not how I spell my last name. It ends in a Y. Okay. This is you though. Uh, yes. Click on the, don't click on the video, but click on the YouTube channel. Yep. Yep. 
one minute. We got a, a nice little Apple ad. Well, they're a multi-trillion dollar company. They're doing pretty well. Yeah, they don't need help with uh with with what we're talking about. They don't need help with their floor price. So go to about. Go to about. All right. And what do I have? 87 million views. So Anthony, I appreciate you saying that we misunderstood. Very easy to misunderstand text. So thank you so much for clarifying. The thing that I want to talk about when it comes to my YouTube channel is I was putting out videos two to three times a day, every day for about two years. And then I, through an iterative process, was able to gain a knowledge of what would go viral. And now if you look at my YouTube channel, I have multiple views with about 10 to 20 million views views per video, I trimmed back the bad content that just was boring. And I kind of doubled down on what's good. I may reactivate my channel. So when you look, it's a bunch of fitness videos, like world records and things of that nature, but I used to own a chain of CrossFit gym. So it was on brand. I mean, right now it's got those videos. Plus it has like a few like NFT videos on there, but the whole thing that got me to the ability to get those viral videos was learning iteratively and I'm helping these guys out. You know, I mean, not to say that I know everything, I don't, but I'm trying to put a little bit of help in to get your channel grow. And so like, you know, if I was in charge of your channel, I'd say a hundred percent chance or 98% chance I could hit 5 million views by the end of the year. Highly, highly confident in that. Well, I appreciate it, Josh. Arrogant. You're arrogant, Josh. <laughs> Fuck you. No, I appreciate it. And look, I mean, look, here's another little good point by M123 L123, he basically wants us to make sure that every single day we take the Twitter spaces and we post in the Discord. And I think you're absolutely right. So I'm going to let Eric know that that's just now part of his daily job is to do that. And we're going to put it in the live shows section. So M123, go into the live shows section. That's where it's going to be every single day. If you have a better idea on the location, definitely let me know. But otherwise, no, absolutely. It's going to pop into the Discord with an ad here and and hold me accountable if, you know, that's something that you don't see because I'm going to literally, you know, uh, put that into practice right now because I, I didn't realize that that was something that, I, I, you know, sometimes you don't think about everything, right? You're thinking about some big picture stuff and I didn't think about that little thing as like something that I should, you know, write down and make part of, of Eric's job, for example. So I see someone ask how much I can deadlift. I haven't done a deadlift in like five years. So probably zero. Long time ago, I used to do like 350-ish, but that was when I was both heavier and owning a CrossFit gym. Haven't deadlifted in years. Well, there you go. So you don't know now about Josh's uh, deadlift routine. Well, look, I mean, we just talked about our NFT quite a bit. Um, you know, wh what other metrics do you feel matter for NFT projects. Like when you think about a project, we're saying metrics besides floor price, what really matters? Volume, volume, volume. Okay. Yeah. So let's take a look at every insider trading that we've seen from MeBits to Mutants to Zuki. Mm -hmm. There's something called like a Cantillion effect. And as I understand the meaning of that term, it basically means that the people that are closest to a source of money tend to have the best access to it. And yes. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it a little bit, but that's my understanding. Of well, it. it's it's something that gets talked about a lot when you talk about, uh, you know, QE, quantitative easing and, yep. and money printing. Yep. Well, you know, I know it's in the TradFi space, but it's also in the NFT space. So if you see a project that's just been sitting dormant for six months, and then all of a sudden their sales volume goes up like 900%, Someone fucking knows something. I don't know what it is, but like something is happening. So 
it's not a coincidence. Let's go to MeBits really quick. That the volume of sales a day or two before Yuga Labs announced that they were going to be. You said uh, look up MeBits? Yeah, MeBits. We're going to be acquiring CryptoPunks and MeBits. The volume in sales went up like, I don't know, like a. 500, 600, 700%. Insider info. So let's go to activity and take a look at it. I don't even remember the exact day, but- <laughs> There it is. It, no, it's probably right there. Oh, okay. Volume. It, so it, you know, it, let's zoom in so our audience can see. What is the sales volume there? So it looks like on that day, there were 953 sales. Go the, back one week and see how many sales there were like right here. Seven so, and 12. So, okay. If- also, by the way, if you do have insider information, I would be so fucking careful about executing on it. This is all on chain. If the SEC ever goes down the path of making NFTs somewhat regulated like a security, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon, they can see who bought. Like it, if you bought, if we can zoom in on this, if you bought, and let's look at the days here. Uh, March 9th, go to March 9th. If you bought March 9th or March 10th, go to March 10th, it's very clear you knew something. Okay. I, I'm not calling anyone out. I don't want to look at the wallets there because I'm not trying to make this about a personal thing. But look, someone fucking knew. Look at this entire chart all the way back. <laughs> There's not more than 10 sales a day. It's borderline illiquid. Yeah. And then magically, uh, just by good fortune, you get so many... Anyways, we can move past this, but this is why I think volume is a really important metric when I'm looking at things. Now, here's the other thing I'll say. Someone might not have known something. They might have just done what I'm talking about. They might have tracked sales volume and saw it's up 1,600% in one day and then just bought in. So not everyone that's doing that is an insider trader, but some people knew shit. And it got leaked. Well, I, mean, I saw, you know, I, in my uh, in my wallet tracking app, I saw some, you know, uh, of the kind of insider type people, the people that always find themselves, you know, buying into the right projects at the right time. And I saw uh, some, you know, buys on some of those wallets when those wallets will be inactive for like weeks at a time. You know, the people are doing business and doing other things. They're not active NFT traders. Then out of the blue, someone just buys a Mebit. And I was like, like, huh, just buy an Amoeba. That's that's pretty interesting. And that was, again, days before the news. And I think there was actually a Bloomberg article on this that occurred. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm like breaking a news case here. There's no fucking new information I'm providing. This is featured in TradFi News. I'm not calling anyone out. I'm not trying to shit on anybody who did anything. I'm literally just saying what is completely publicly available, but these are the reasons why you want to track volume over floor price it, because you're trying to reach a conclusion or a hypothesis as to why something might be happening. It, and that's what I'm always looking at is why or how it is the process moving and what's going on in the back end or what might be going on in the back end. Yeah, and sorry, I just got distracted because someone just said Bobu the Bean Farmer, the uh, fractionalized Azuki ERC-1155 token uh, is at 0.4, and that makes me want to vomit because uh, two days ago when the Azuki run was really cooking, wh whenever the day of the airdrop was, I noticed the Bobu the Bean Farmer project was just sitting there at 0.06. I posted it into our Discord. Somebody 
somebody pointed out that 0.06 uh, is a fifth at that at that floor price. We were looking at a 15 million dollar market cap for a single Azuki, and I logically right there was like, yeah, that's pretty high. I'm not going to touch that. Now it's at 0.4, so that's a legit six or seven X, and you could have bought packs of them because it's an ERC 1155, and people always will list them like packs of five, packs of ten, and it's like I knew that that was the move, and then someone presented something logical, and I listened to it because I thought logically about it, but the NFT space during hype cycles, like the Azuki hype cycle right now, is completely illogical, and I can't believe that I I didn't buy even one. It was a no-brainer to at least buy one. But I saw you shaking your head, Josh. I know that you don't care about folding and not, you know, capitalizing on every single opportunity, and right. that's a great mentality. You've also had much bigger wins than me, and I'm also I, I because I pick my shots, dude. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I, I'm super conservative with my capital. I don't have so much that I can afford to donk it off on like speculation. What you're talking about is a speculation, right? Yeah. You're doing the background due diligence and finding out it, that, you know, the market is illogical or, um, you know, irrational. You know, there's a saying the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. It, but, you know, I mean, if you want to look at that, we could go to the casino and you could like watch the roulette wheel spin. It lands on 26 and you'd be like, oh my God, I should have fucking bet 26. I, I know, but it's not exactly the same as the roulette wheel because the roulette wheel is literally you spin the wheel and the ball's going to land on a random number. And right. I, I have no influence over that. I'm not even the guy spinning the wheel, right? right. It's not even like I can develop that. This is closer to poker where, uh, and I'm not like Mr. Sure. Poker player. Me and, Josh, me and Josh are going to play chess after this, and I'm, maybe we'll live stream that on Twitch. I've been thinking about live streaming video games on Twitch because we're playing, uh, we've been playing uh, Rocket League, and it's pretty fun. Let me know if you, if you would actually watch me, Josh, Nick, Captain Kicks, Easy Eats, live streaming on Twitch with like legit camera setups and talking smack to opponents. But anyway, back to what I was saying is it's almost like the, um, the you're waiting for the river and you know what you have and you know what's on the flop or whatever. And you take that information and that informs your decision. It was almost like the flop was Azuki's run and then the airdrop. And then you're like, holy shit, there's something that's official Azuki ecosystem at 0.06 ETH. It's pretty good. Here's my thing. I'm thinking about your audience. I know what it's like not to have a lot of money. If I only have 0.3 ETH, I just want your audience to be really careful with how they pick that shot. You know, for you, is it a cool play that maybe you should have uh, shot? That makes sense from where you're at. But if somebody's been like working all summer and they're 17 years old and they've saved up a thousand dollars, I don't want them taking that shot. Yeah, I want them picking a better shot personally. If it, it and look, everyone's got to run their own investment thesis. I'm not your fucking boss. You know, you don't have to listen to anything I say. It's never financial advice. But to me. When I look out for people that have like worked so hard for this money, I'm always of the mindset of protect it, protect it, protect it. And look, I still fuck up all the time too, but it, that's where my head is at when I look at plays like that is I'm just like, I just hope some 17 year old that just spent the summer mowing lawns doesn't get zeroed out on a thousand dollar bet. Yeah, I mean for sure. And someone said, what um, you know, what's the better the better pick? 
it's Anthony called out that Josh has, according to Anthony, you got five picks. So if I want to name them, it's going to be Gary V ecosystem. Yep. World of women. Yep. Uh, I guess us. Yep. Uh, women and weapons. Yep. I, I, I like that team a lot. And, uh, I mean, you look labs, look labs is on there. Yep. I feel like there's more, uh, very big on Amber Vittoria. Shout out to her. Great. One of one artist puts in a lot of work. Also, I'm an advisor on that project for disclosure purposes. Um, it, you know, I, I like curio cards. I've probably done a 20 X on those, uh, you know, bought them at a very low price point, sold a good bit of them in the like one Ethereum floor range. Um, you know, look, Anthony, you're totally right. I only have about five picks and you know, you can point to investors that have made more money. You can point to investors that have made better ROI than me. And like, I am not saying I'm the end all be all here. I'm just saying that's how I invest. I make few bets. I make big bets, big bets for me. I don't have a lot of capital, but big bets, given the percentage of money that I'm betting on each individual bet, I'm probably somebody who bets larger than your average. And I probably have fewer bets that I'm making. It's just my style. There are people that do it differently that make more than me. I'm not the best. It's just how I work things. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about a lot of different stuff. Is there anything you wanted to add, Josh? Well, I mean, uh, you know, looking into curio cards, we've mentioned those before. I think I, I want to pull up, you know, when I think about things, there are cycles and I tend to try to look at when everyone's looking left, what's going on to the right. Um, so, I mean, I'm just kind of, again, I, I'm just kind of looking at what's not super hot right now, but might be really good in a few years. You know, the biggest thing in the V friends ecosystem that I think is underpriced right now, if I was going to buy anything again, V friends, mini drops from the gift goat. Um, I own multiple gift goats. I feel pretty confident that those are undervalued. I think the attention is on series two. I think the attention is on book games, but you know, drift who's coming on your show he has a 16-piece collection in the mini drop where his floor price is, what, 50 Ethereum? He's one of those where uh, you basically can't buy his stuff because right. the floor price is so out of control and there's a, an uber-limited supply and there's no low-level entry. Well, the low-level entry is the drop that he's doing next week. No, that no, he's no. Pull, pull up VFriends mini drops and pull up uh, its drop three or gift three. Well, I, I know it's the helicopter picture. Right. Well, there there's a collection of 16 of them. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So V friends, mini drops, pulling this up. Go, I'll show it in a second. Left, go down the left. Oh, on the left. Just filter by uh, artist no, drift. Yeah. Yeah. Drift. There, you go. there you go. Isaac Wright. Um, okay. So, okay. 16. Yeah. So you can buy, you can get a drift piece, not a one one Um, if there's 16 of these, I guess you have, uh, you know, something about like, was it 30 each? I mean, I'd have to do the math on that because there's 555 holders, but it, um, look, it's a numbered print collection, it, but you can look at some of the higher end artists that put out the numbered prints. Like Beeple's my favorite artist that I don't own. I love his artwork. In fact, this is my favorite piece of art in the entire ecosystem is if you pull up Beeple, politics is bullshit. Yeah. It is literally my favorite piece of art. Shout out to Beeple for really leading the way with a $69 million art sale. And one of the things, let's go back to Anthony saying you don't need to put out content every day. Beeple put out a piece of art every day for what, like 10 fucking years? Yeah. And then that resulted in him selling for $69 million. 
This is happens to be my single favorite piece of art. What, what's the floor price on this? So I can see how much I cannot afford. Yeah, I know the guy that has the number one out of 100. Well, you know, if you ever want to give me a nice birthday gift, uh, you know, that'd be great. 99 ETH floor price. You know, yeah, that, that seems like nuts. a good birthday gift for Josh. I feel let me, like... And let me see when the last time it sold is, though. So two days ago, someone sold it for 71. So it looks like the, the true floor. There were two sales in the past week at 70. And I mean, it's, it's illiquid. Right, we can go on Nifty Gateway where it so dropped. So Picasso's. This is just a standard thing. If you understand the trad art world, trad art is illiquid. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I want to buy a Picasso, if I want to buy a Van Gogh, if I want to buy a Monet, I'm going to incorporate the same thing. You know, there. even though I think like Picasso has like 50,000 pieces, it's not like uh, 500 Picassos are trading every day. Right. So this is more in the trad art world. Yeah. Same with Amber Vittoria. She's a great artist. Her work isn't super liquid. It's not going to happen when you're a one-of-one -one artist. I'll bet you Drift isn't that liquid either because he's a one-of-one -one artist. Yeah. So whether you're looking at Picasso, Drift, Amber Vittoria, whoever, if you're getting into the one-of-one -one art, you're going to be less liquid than your average 10K PFP, period. I mean, that's a fact. Uh, and, you know, you have to understand that art is always going to be long-term and it's, as you can imagine, a high-risk play. Uh, obviously, everybody that bought these Beeples for a 1000 bucks back in December last year on Nifty Gateway, two, two Decembers ago at this point, actually, uh, December 2020, they're very happy with their investments. Someone said, what about 10 KTF? It's also Beeple. I have a bunch of 10 KTF stuff. My opinion is that 10 KTF is legitimately ahead of its time. That's my opinion. And I think that 10k TF's day is going to come, but you just have to wait. I mean, it made a move up to almost 0.4 right now on the secondary, so that's not bad. It took a very long time for it to get there, um, and I think that you're going to see the board ape uh, stuff, like the, whether it's the dogs, the mutants, or the board apes, priced at a premium in 10k TF for a while. But if you're watching the show looking for like a short term flip or something, 10k TF ain't it. Uh, someone put something about, I mean, Curio cards is not it for a short term flip. Um, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it depends on what you're looking for. Let's talk a little bit about taxes. I know we got a lot of US based citizens here. It, let's assume you're a winner, it, you know, you're, you're making money. You have to make about 50% more in short term capital gains than you would in long-term capital gains to have the same outcome after taxes. So really quick, uh, long-term capital 15. gains are typically, I think, 20% right now. If you're holding for longer than a year in the United States, short-term capital gains, if you're doing real money, you're probably looking at 50%, normalized yeah. income, right? So let's just pretend you made a million dollars. If you made a million dollars in long-term cap gains, you take home 800K. Made a million dollars in short-term capital gains, take home about 500K. So you'd have to in you'd have to be about like almost sixty percent higher it with short term capital gains. Again, why I don't like the flips. Now look, do I have short term capital gains? Yeah, of course. Um, but at the end of the day, realize it's better. You are better off to make a uh, million dollars in in long term capital gains than one point five million in short term. And so thinking about it that way. It, it's a good reason. Also, to be honest, um, it's, it, it, it's just less work. Like you, you don't have to be grinding every day as much. I mean, I still think you need to be doing your research, but you can place a bet, have high conviction, wake up in a year or two. 
Yeah, I mean, and the stuff that you hold for over a year has to be good, right? It can't be any type of pump and dump go, uh, bullshit because otherwise it would have made sense to sell it, you know, um, Gary V stuff. I mean, the only stuff that I have that's long-term capital gains is the Micah Johnson Aku chapters, right? I've been holding those for literally over a year. I don't think I have any other NFTs that uh, have been around for that long. Nobody that's bought a Bored Ape uh, has long-term capital gains yet. At the end of this month, you'll have people finally hit long-term capital gains. Are you going to see people sell Bored Apes at that point? Almost everyone I've talked to that owns one is considering it, right? Um, it, it's a natural occurrence. You're probably going to see... Uh, you know, I, I think you're going to see some buy opportunities. If you're looking at board ape, you're probably going to want to buy in at the one year mark when people are t looking to take an exit. I think you're going to want to take some uh, buy shots in the next couple weeks when people start to realize they have to pay taxes. Pay your fucking taxes, people. Uh, don't go to jail. You know, you want to you want to do the right thing there. So that's a shout out to everyone to pay your taxes. Well, everyone, thanks so much for watching. Make sure you follow Josh. We'll throw his uh, Twitter handle in the description, uh, but you know where to find him. He's in our Discord. He's on our morning show. He comes on this channel all the time. Make sure that you like the video. It really, really helps. There's plenty of people watching the video right now. Make sure that you hit the like button, seriously. Uh, and while you're at it, you know, Subscribe to F or join FTX with our code on mobile. It's the nifty T H E N I F T Y. Uh, and we'll also have the link for the web app in the description. It's the nifty.com slash FTX. Anyway, catch you guys next time. Thanks so much for watching as always.